Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. Back at it again with a little ketchup for you. Uh, and we have a very special guest, which we'll get to in a second. First, how's everybody doing? Good. Right, how so, are you doing? So does this mean that our guest like cannot say how he's doing? Right he can now? say how he's doing, but the, okay. the people just will have to. It's a, can you guys, can the audience guess this person by their voice? And not by the title of the episode? Well, damn, now we got to try this game out. Harry Sayer is here on the pod this week. <laughs> Welcome Hello, in, Harry. everybody. Hello again, everyone. Good to so, have you back. I know, again. it's been a while. The whole world's gone topsy-turvy since uh, the last time I was on. A little bit. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The president watched Dumbo, finally. He got around mm. to that, and he agreed that it is the best movie that came out last year, along with finally. you. So finally. he decided that we had to shut down all of the country until every American could catch up and watch Dumbo. You know, I had my official Dumbo tattoo. I've been waiting for it to be validated and we're finally there. And now I can show you all. What is the tat? This off. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It just says Dumbo and then parentheses 2019. (laughs) It's not even an elephant. A Tim Burton film. (laughs) Across my chest. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, No, it's good to see you all again. It's good to hear your voices and see your smiling faces. And uh, I'm excited to talk about all kinds of fun stuff tonight. Yeah, yeah. On uh, on today's show with uh, me, Ernest, and as always... Hunter. <laughs> Had to and give a pause for suspense. Andrew! Beautiful. Man. Incredible. Here we are. See, we're, we're in this Zoom. Uh, we're Zooming. You know, we may not be Zoomers, but we be Zooming. And we're, we're, this, is, this is just how these things go now. You know, the, you stare into the webcam and you get stared into your soul. Um, but you don't see that, listener. You only hear that. You feel the zoom energy through our voices. And I, I just hope that's enough for you. I hope that we can provide that level of comfort. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you uh, just personally that I've truly been enjoying every podcast uh, I listen to that is on zoom a lot less because of the zoom part. <laughs> yeah, um, really, really gets in the way of every single type of conversation that you can have regardless of content. It's a special feeling to see the normal rhythms and kind of like back and forth of the podcast just be absolutely demolished by uh, internet recording. So yeah. Um, yeah. we are going to overcome that because we have that much chemistry. So yeah, you just, have to, you just have to overcome that second and a half of delay in, in between somebody talking. Because the thing is that we're such good friends. We can just, we know what people are going to say before they say it. So we before can they say start. it. That's what I thought you were going to say. I know, Dumbo's yeah, so go. good. Yeah, I, that was my take. And I think that's a wrap for this week's podcast. Yeah, well, we, we, we should say Tim Burton has not been confirmed for uh, Dumbo 2. Um, and I think that is the largest travesty of all these Hollywood um, changes coming from the coronavirus pandemic. What is Tim Burton's next project? Some are saying that it's another live action um, Disney movie. And I just hope that the coronavirus shuts down whatever that production is. If it's not Dumbo 2, race to the big pink elephant mountain. You know, I've delivered a lot of, I think, kind of intellectual and rational and reasonable opinions on this podcast. And I like that I'll always be known as that fucking guy who liked the elephant movie. You fucked one sheep and all of a sudden. (laughs) You weren't even in that. You weren't even on that episode. We we were forced to watch that on our own and then no. find out later, oh shit, okay, we should have had Harry on this one. Forced? <laughs> you said forced. That was easily Michael Keaton's iconic role. That that's like in line one of the obit. All right, you gotta back it up because he's great in that movie. But we can if you guys want to do Dumbo Part Two podcast, <laughs> I'm here for it. But uh, I you know. I if I can just push that back in in my brain, it keeps getting brought up. <laughs> and I would just rather like forget that that movie ever happened, except for Danny DeVito or one-armed Colin Farrell. Man, now I'm thinking back. Now I want to be on that flying elephant again. I would rather watch Dumbo and not be in a pandemic than what we have now. So I have my memories to okay, hold on to. Okay, there's a take. 
<laughs> I know, I'm like swinging hard here. <laughs> Would you rather not watch Dumbo or uh, live through 80,000 deaths in a month? I don't know. <laughs> we it's can't like know. that meme. It's like that meme with the guy pushing the two red buttons and sweating. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. Oh, Dumbo 2019. Yeah. Pandemic. And the, and the person pressing all the buttons is Michael Keaton at the end of Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great scene. Okay, let's <laughs> talk about awesome. anything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have some some ketchup items uh, to get through today. And um, how about we start with you, Drew? This is something that um, is a little bit of a course correction of sorts from my uh, A24 bracket. Uh, I was... Uh, you know, I, I don't like to keep these things on my sleeve, but I was truly embarrassed with my performance on the A24 bracket episode. Uh, I feel a lot was revealed about me and how many movies I have not seen. Uh, and as a result, I forgot to mention this last week, but immediately after we recorded that, I went and watched Moonlight and realized how unbelievably uh, stupid it was that that did not win the entire bracket uh, because I think yeah. it is the best A24 movie. Oh, hands down. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I was saying on the show that day, I was like, if this was my personal bracket, it would it would take it all the way to the end. So I do have to apologize for my behavior on the A24 Bracket podcast. You have I no was, excuse. I hadn't seen it. I you was very rude towards me. To be fair, you guys were very, very rude towards Denis Villeneuve's masterpiece, Enemy, the greatest film that he ever made or ever will make. That's insane. And, You're deranged. And... That movie is perfect in every single way. Moonlight is also quite good. I like Moonlight. Oh my god! <laughs> quite good. It should have. It should have Fuck. gone far. It shouldn't have lost to Uncut Gems. That was that was silly of us as a podcast. You had it losing to Under the Skin. <laughs> yeah, I did have it losing. So what? See, <laughs> I was very upset. I was very. I knew that Enemy was going out in the second round. I was very hurt by that. Whatever. Uh, what did you like about Moonlight Dream? Every single uh, shot, it has the ladybird effect in which you feel as though you're watching something with the flow of someone who's been making films for like 30 plus years, and yet it was uh, Barry Jenkins' first major uh, feature. Un unfucking believable performance by Barry. And then, needless to say, Mahershala, uh, he got the Oscar, no? Yes. Yes. 100%. Um, uh, wholly deserved it. Really. Uh, can't complain that he was missing from the second two acts of the movie because that's just how this movie works. But my God, he was the, one of the most magnetic uh, characters I've seen in recent memory. His uh, presence hangs over the whole movie, though, even if he's not physically in it. Yeah, you, but then also feel him. I mean, not to underplay Janelle Monae's continued mm -hmm. presence throughout the movie. Uh, she absolutely slayed. I didn't know that she was in this, uh, and that was a pleasant surprise. But Trevante Rhodes uh, kind of surprised me more than anyone else because uh, I couldn't uh, pinpoint exactly what I knew him from, but it turns out that I knew him from Predator 2018 or whatever. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Uh, oh, the Shane Black God. one. In yes. which he, yeah, he plays a character named like Tennessee Johnson or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, Nebraska Williams. Get it yeah. <laughs> I'm very impressed you remember stuff from Predator. God, that's another I, I one I want to forget. pulled up right now in front of me. That's okay. the only way. <laughs> Just really, yeah, egregious that that was sort of, uh, I guess, the biggest ticket that he got out of this performance because he is... Uh, like a, a quiet earthquake in, in this role. Uh, the entire third act is carried by him. And of course, uh, what's his name from? You know, Andre you know, Holland. Yeah, who, who uh, we, you know, we've been known that he's incredible, but also I would assume that this movie has a lot to do with the reason that we're seeing him in so much. Uh, he's nowadays. phenomenal. You know, he basically only has like one scene uh, and he absolutely slays it. Like that scene in the restaurant is full of tension but in a way that isn't uh anxiety inducing no, it's not. Or, it's, or scary it's the feeling of an important conversation that has no uh guaranteed endpoint like that you know it captures that feeling perfectly time slows down so much in those final like 20 20 or so minutes yeah uh, it's almost in real time for a good chunk of that and uh Really, I, I couldn't complain about anything in this movie. If I were to pick a nit, uh, the woman who played his mother, I don't think 
was quite on the caliber, but this is an unbelievably low budget film. Uh, like, like one of the most low budget movies ever to get the acclaim that it got. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta take what you get in certain spots. She, to me, just seemed like she was putting in the most, the least organic performance, I guess you could say, uh, because everything else about this movie felt so unbelievably lived in and true to life. Uh, other than that, th this is like the best movie I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, it's and it should have won the bracket. It's it's uh, it's poetry. It's cinematic and it poetry. And I should be canceled for having not seen it because <laughs> it should have been the, the so final. Should have at least been Lady Bird versus Moonlight. Like that should have been what the final matchup was. But I think hey. Harry Harry's making a face like he should be canceled because he hasn't seen it either. <laughs> it's on my list. <laughs> no, I, I have my my no, list of movies it, I need to watch is egregious. Like it is yeah. a disgusting. Well, hey, list. there's no new movies out, so might as well. That's what I've been doing. It's it is on my list, and the chance of me actually watching it is higher than it's ever been in the past. Uh, it's a beautiful so movie. Great to know. Speaking of progressive films, what's your take on the Hunger Games franchise? Um, uh, well, basically, I think those, but skipping Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think the worst thing is that I haven't finished the entire franchise. I've seen three of the four, which I oh, think is somehow no. worse. I actually haven't finished the set. Uh, yeah, if you want me to talk about the Hunger Games movies, I think they're pretty good for a Whoa. young adult franchise. I did not realize they were so maligned in the We Bought a Mike family. Uh, I don't they're know. Not. We know they're we've not. We've never even talked they're about them, even a little bit. <laughs> Um, it's what you think they are. It's like a pretty cheaply made first movie that gets more money in the second than has a two-part finale. It's like every single kid's uh, young adult fiction franchise that we've seen. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is really good in them. I kind of like got why she got so big off these movies because, you know, it's not really much of a character she's playing, but she just brings so much with just her basic acting talents. Um, you know, of all the things you guys are going to ask me about, I wasn't expecting the Hunger Games. I got to really think of some well, stuff you, right now. You, oh. have, <laughs> you have a whole list. You have a whole list of things. So just I give it to that. Do. So yeah, Let's I get just to counted. Harry's Ketchup Corner. Yeah, so I have been watching movies during this whole shutdown, uh, and it's only movies I've never seen before. Even if it's a movie I saw 15 years ago, and I kind of remember it, it's not counting. It has to be things that have been completely unseen. Uh, and right now, I just counted. I am at 47 movies, which wow. is uh, a lot. But um. Really, the ones that really just knocked me on my butt were um, uh, the Florida Project, which was yes. shameful that I hadn't seen until that, that movie, one made it very uh, far yeah. in our bracket. I believe it. Um, that one's incredible. Uh, uh, the Beach Bum, Hunter's favorite movie, <laughs> I believe. Is that right? Is that right up there? I mean, I do have a Moondog poster like right, <laughs> like right in front of me right now. I go to sleep to it every night. That, that movie's really. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I've seen, um, you know, I've watched like kind of like just kind of things I've never, I should have seen but never have, like the three high school musical movies, which are uh, from horrific to pretty fun, depending on which one you want. I kind of like the third one a good amount because uh, wow. it actually has one That was like a real movie in theaters. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the first movie is like a kid's, a Disney movie. The second movie is like something that came out of hell. And then the third movie <laughs> I is hate, the first I movie. I hate the second one. It's... <laughs> Freaky. <laughs> the, the music is the so bad. The so, music got like ten times worse than the second one. They went like digital, but like still trying to sound analog. Like it, fake it has some like, good why? songs. This I was gonna say. We can't let Fabulous. Ernest slide on this. Very early, very early podcast episode. Ernest said that uh, High School Musical Two is better than the first High School Musical. Oh no. Do you want to address that take? Sir. That's, that's like the worst thing anyone's ever said on this podcast. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I, I cannot. Worst, way better worse than Dumbo. I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny that statement. Uh, you're going to have to play back the tape. <laughs> Give me a time code. Uh, you I, know, I will say that the music, some of the music in the second one is dog shit. Some ways better. <laughs> Certain uh, tracks. I don't dance. I know you can. Not a chance. Dude, who knew that there were such similarities between dancing and baseball before high school? Oh, boy. That is true. They do teach you that they're basically yeah. the same thing. Um, the I first watched... one has bangers. It has bangers. You know, we're okay. all in this together. Harry, what else did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I watched the entire Aliens franchise, which was Hell really yes. great. Those are fascinating. Aliens 3 is very underrated. It's not a great movie, 
but it's super interesting and kind of visually kicks ass. Um, uh, sorry, I just blanked what I was looking at. Um, the Abyss, I finally got to, yes! which is the Abyss monstrous production, and it just came together really well by the end. I, I like The Abyss, I think, more than other people. Um, I, I fucking really, love that movie. Incredible so, movie. So Happy Feet 2. Uh, oh this boy, is what we're we here for. Yeah. This, is, so, this is the big ticket. I don't know if Happy Feet 2 is a great movie, but I know for a fact that there are moments in Happy Feet 2 that are like some of the best things I've ever seen. And I will go to the mat for that. Because uh, I've been watching all the George Miller movies. and um, you know, blank how always, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the joke was always, you know, oh, you know, the guy who did Fury Road did the Happy Feet movies. And then you watch both of them and you're like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely the same director you're like has oh the, same- the guy who did the happy feet movies did fury road that's right, right. No. <laughs> actually no i will say the last like 10 15 minutes of happy feet 2 are like genuinely divine they're kind of yeah. transcendent and i won't say why because i want you guys to watch it and i might eventually make you if i win a competition but oh uh, hell yeah yeah and then um you know just kind of like just bouncing all around uh i watched raw which is a kind of oh. this foreign uh, cannibalism kind of movie that's just kind of a big metaphor for uh, sexual indulgence and kind of like awakening. And that movie is bizarre in the best way. Um, the, the, the two biggest surprises for me were, um, I'm not going to try to butcher his name, but uh, the, the Lobster and the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yorgos. Yorgos, yeah. Uh, those are incredibly devastating movies. Um, I don't know how much I liked watching them, but the emotional reaction they gave me, like that's something I've been thinking about a lot in the last month or so. Um, The Lobster is very funny, uh, but I kind of like The Killing of a Secret Deer more because of how just of a gut, much of a gut punch that movie is from start to finish. It's it's like a, it's a genuine horror movie just off tone and, and positioning of characters in the frame. It makes you very unsettled. Um, have you seen The Favorite? I have not. I think I might just work my way. Yeah, I think that's my next one. That's that's his next movie, right? Yeah, yes. that completes the canon. Right? Okay, that's... Yeah. Well, I mean, unless you count his made, older shit, that's yeah, a little bit harder Dog to find. Dogtooth. Dog actually, a trilogy, his first three movies um, are actually on the Criterion channel right now. That's right. Need to get around to watching okay. Them. The last thing I wanted to say was uh, Mud with um, Matthew McConaughey. Have you all seen that? Yeah, good movie. That yeah, that's a surprising. That's just the kind of thing where it's it's it felt like a kid coming of age like kids novel, but kind of executed in a way that made it feel really special. Um, it's kind of just about the disappointment of growing up and realizing that people older than you are just as flawed as you are. And um, yeah, that's been nice. Uh, beyond that, uh, I watched the TV show Letterkenny, which I think I'm also alone in. Has anyone seen that? Is that the animated thing? It's not. No, it's a show um, from Canada. It's on Hulu now. And it's basically uh, just kind of like this show about a town in Canada called Leonard Kenny, obviously. And it's just a very, um, describe it like, like Schitt's Creek a little bit or Parks and Recs mixed with Shameless. It's kind of got that kind of ragged, like kind of kick-ass, kind of bro-y energy that Shameless has from time to time. But what's, what's cool with it is that the dialogue is like rapid fast whip smart back and forth it's it's like got a rhythm that nothing else has and you need to have subtitles for it but at the end of the day it's very warm and empathetic and even if like characters it's making fun of it also likes them a lot and um it's kind of a hard one to put into words because they're using so much words on their own but uh that's the one <laughs> you all should that show watch. that show has die hard fans like that um, that show is one of the shows where if you meet someone who like really likes that show they will not stop telling you to watch it i'm getting there there's a weird episode when they got more money or they got bigger uh they have jay baruchel as just a straight up uh alt-right nazi like with <laughs> oh, no wow. no okay, like hiding it like he's got the flag behind him he's got the shaved head thing he's like a nazi and he gets the shit kicked is out he of a him. canadian or an american no i i don't know they did they're like they're the 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 hard right are traveling from a city to city to protest uh uh team sports teams uh, names being changed and what have you just kind of trivial shit like that and uh that's the only guest star that's ever been on that show i think jay baruchel has a nazi which is makes it more interesting hey i mean he's he's one of canada's uh hottest talents you know up there with nathan fielder and uh you're about to say one of canada's hottest men i was like all right Ernest, i like where you're the going. hottest guy in canada <laughs> nathan is canadian right yeah yeah, yeah. Nathan uh, and seth, seth rogan, rogan went to high school together 
Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Let's go yes. back. They were on so, an improv team together. That was my kind of rapid fire. I really should just say that if anyone is sitting on a bunch of movies that they want to get to, this really is the perfect time to do it. Uh, it's been one of the highlights of this whole pandemic is just kind of getting to all of these stories that I would not have gotten to if in normal times. So uh, really just try to push through that barrier and actually watch them. I'm I'm proud of you, man. That's amazing. You know, would you say that? Would you say that Matthew McConaughey and the Beach Bum gives the best performance out of those movies that you've seen? Or, or second question, would you say that Matthew McConaughey and the Beach Bum is the greatest performance that you've ever seen in film? I would say that Matthew McConaughey and the Beach Bum cured my erectile dysfunction, and that uh, it'll probably cure yours too if you watch it. So yes. Yes. I was horny for him the whole time. <laughs> Came Listen, back to good, life. Good luck curing curing my situation down there. It's uh, I don't think that anything could <laughs> there's nothing anyway. there. It's just speaking a speaking of phallic uh objects, uh it can let's let's rewind back to uh aliens real mm-hmm. quick. Um that that uh xenomorph phallic head of the alien queen mother. Um that movie is one of the best movies I've seen in quarantine. I also watched aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to acknowledge like the, the fact that that movie happened when it did, it was right in that sweet spot before um, computer effects took off. Mm-hmm. So they put all the money uh, that James Cameron had into the creature effects for the alien mother and all of the effects in that movie so what you get is this perfect masterpiece of practical effects that you just never saw again i mean there are other movies that like you know had a similar level of artistry and i'm i'm kind of trying to build a little bit of a of a practical creature effects pantheon list Ooh. on letterbox right now and that one's like number one uh, because it's just like done on such a massive scale. Yeah. I, go ahead. Yeah, no, I've been, because I've been thinking, I've been seeing you on Twitter watching True Lies and The Abyss and talking about aliens. And I'm not really as familiar with uh, James Cameron. I've only really seen Avatar. I haven't even seen the first two Terminators. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out, sorry, Drew. I'm trying to figure out what uh, it what? is. Uh- <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it is about him that's like so special because he's clearly got something and obviously and like what I'm thinking is just like the sheer execution and like the the economic use of all of the pieces in his movies. Yeah. Um, that, that just seems to be it. Like I don't know like the one thing he does that's so incredible, but every movie when you watch it, it's like everything here is being used perfectly and directed in the best way. He's a and- perfectionist. Yeah, and th- and that's that's what I felt about Aliens watching it for the first time is you know I turned it on I'm like oh I can see 300 other movies and shows and video games that have copied or stolen wholesale from this movie and yet you know this movie still feels fresh and you don't always get that when you look at kind of like more classic movies like that uh, so yeah, yeah I, it's I love timeless it. it's and timeless and he's also so fixated on the idea of like mothers. And, yeah. and protective figures um and ripley you know sigourney in that movie it just like is this encapsulation of so many of the things he's obsessed with with this this woman who like is just so adamant about protecting her herself and and new you know her surrogate da- daughter um mm-hmm. and then you know the the flip side of that is the alien the queen alien who's also trying to do that. And you have that moment where they face off and it's just like Ripley protecting her, hers and her own, and the alien queen prote- protecting hers and her own. It's like, damn it, Cameron, you just, motherfucker. Just like, yes, go ahead, Hunter. Oh, no, I was just saying, I mean, we were talking about what James Cameron has. One of the big things they had is to a lesser degree the Spielberg effect in that he can make big movies that are vastly marketable to anybody that aren't really based on 
previous IP or at least not major IP like a Marvel movie or something like that. Like he's able to create these grand stories that make a billion dollars out of whole cloth with the exception of the abyss, which I think is like his only real failure of a movie that he made. wise. I mean, both of the Terminator movies, Titanic was the biggest movie of the world before it got beat by the next James Cameron movie in Avatar. Like he's just able to make these things. That's why he is like the ultimate blank check guy at this point that there's like, cool, you want to make five more of these blue people movies? Fucking go <laughs> for it, James. Like you can do whatever you want now because it's going to make $2 billion worldwide. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah. And we like to, we like to make fun of him, you know, going off and making avatar movies for the rest of his life, but just wait until those movies comes out, come out. It's going to be the are, are we biggest say, fucking like, shit. 2030 at this point he'll be like yeah the coronavirus pushed back performance for four months so it's probably not gonna come out until like at least 2035 for avatar yeah. 2 at that point we'll just have to plug in to the movie <laughs> it'll be like downloaded into our brains you are here's the, the coronavirus water. vaccine it's avatar 3 <laughs> yeah. um all right so with that i think we can uh we can move on to hunter uh you have some things that you want to share so real quick um I this is I wasn't planning on talking about this, but just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of where I am at right now in my Oscar movie watch through, I am currently at the 33rd Academy Awards um, out of the 92 that have happened so far. So I am out over third. a third of the way through. Okay. Um, I uh, I just finished Ben Hur, 1959's Ben Hur, which I had never seen before. Have you guys ever seen Ben Hur? Maybe um, I, I remember fair. it's like a four hour movie, so it's fair to say that you have not seen it. Um, I remember flashes of chariots and horses and things. That is the chariot scene, which I mean, it was making me I put that on here because I was thinking about that whenever you guys are talking about the practical effects of aliens and like what William Wyler makes in this movie specifically the chariot sequence is iconic because it took place they shot it over the course of like three weeks and like built basically this entire coliseum at the time it was the most expensive movie ever made and used all these doubles they like trained up like dozens of horses to trample over people when they're like collapsing out of their carriages it's one of the most amazing things i've ever seen in my life um, but I mean, aside from that, Ben Hur is also just like it's a story about Jesus Christ, which I did not know going into it. Like Ben Hur is the perfect like like he is going through his whole arc while Jesus of Nazareth is like actually going through, and it actually is like a backdoor story about the story of Jesus, which blew my mind while watching it. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's like, I know the runtime is terrifying to look at. You see 222 minutes and you're like, oh dear God, I can't handle that. But I, it is for, a, it's probably like the best movie that's ever been three and a half hours long. Um, I haven't gotten to Lawrence of Arabia yet, so we'll see. I think Lawrence of Arabia is only like three hours, but is this um, the first movie to win Best Picture that was shot in like the super ultra wide aspect ratio? Um, so actually, Panasonic it might have been. Um, one thing that I have, one of my favorite things that I've been do- learning on this trip is like kind of going on the Wikipedia page after I've seen the movie and read about all the production stuff that's made. So for example, um, I watched uh, On the Waterfront, the uh, um, Marlon Brando film from 1940. Hold on, I'm, I'm pulling it up here. I'm pulling it up here. Just uh, vamp, vamp a little bit and, uh, and one and two <clears> and my internet is not loading. So it's from like the 50s. <laughs> it's from the early 50s. Um, and they actually it was super ahead of its time because they shot it on three different camera aspect ratios so that they could air it in different theaters because not everybody had moved to the widescreen theater at the time 1954 um and so on like the criterion channel you can watch it in all three aspect ratios that it oh, was shot nice. cuz at the time the, they shot it in um the widescreen the um uh, I can't remember what it was that they shot it at the time, but wherever the widescreen was for the time, they shot it in that. 
but at the, it could only play in a theater in like New York and LA. Those are the only theaters that were compatible to that kind of like an ultra wide screen that didn't have that the classic black bars or anything like that, any kind of a square squaring of the ratio. So yeah, um, just wanted to give you guys that update. I will check in later. I have to watch approximately two of these movies every month to finish by the end of the year. And <laughs> two of these movies every week. Uh, okay. By the end of the year. So um, a couple other things just to run through real quick. A couple of uh, the best shows on TV this year have wrapped up. Uh, number one was The Last Dance. It's been the biggest show on television for the last uh, five weeks that it's been on. If you get on Twitter every Sunday night, it seems like everybody in the world that you know is watching it. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it is, I know I am biased here as a big basketball guy and specifically a Michael Jordan guy. I mean, Space Jam was one of my favorite movies ever as a child. So always loved the guy, but this is my favorite thing that I've seen on television this year. Um, it could have gone, some people have complained that it could have gone a little bit deeper, but I actually think that some people, a lot of things, uh, documentaries and stuff like this, that are executive produced by their subject can kind of become what some people call documercials where it's less yeah. about the story of them. And it's more of like an advertisement for them. And they do kind of get into the whole like, oh, Michael Jordan was like a dick. Like a lot of people didn't like him. Like he had a serious gambling addiction problem. He's just like, no, I have a winning problem. And it's like, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> I, I think that you actually like need help. Like, you see that Michael Jordan is quite literally a psychopath. Like, uh, I think the ringers, uh, Sean Fancy compared him to Daniel Plainview from oh, There Will Be Blood. God. And that's so- I've abandoned accurate. my boy. It's so, because his whole thing is like, he is, he's not a person who ever really had friends. Like he's always looking to have an advantage, whether it's in any conversation that he has or actually out there on the court. And it- makes it and not to mention that he was larger than life that like he can he could never just be a human like he couldn't just go out on the town on like a saturday night or something like that his way of like hanging out was just like going up to his apartment alone or maybe with a couple security guards and like gambling with them over like who could throw a quarter closest to the wall like that was what his life was and he broke lots of people by like somebody would like score on him and they would say something to him so he would just put up like 60 points on them and like ruin their entire career because <laughs> that was just the thing that he did he was an insane person um highly recommend it i think that even if you aren't the biggest basketball fan or even like a big sports fan that there's still a lot to take out of it because michael jordan is beyond sports michael jordan is like it's probably like him and muhammad ali are like the most well-known athletes of all time. Um, so I highly, highly recommend that. It's all going on Netflix at some point fairly soon. Because that's what ESPN I was, a, that's what I was about to ask is, is I wonder how soon they will have to, they, there's probably like a timeline where they have to wait until it well, all goes up. Cause it's on it's Netflix be, right now internationally. Exactly. It was launching on Netflix actually did something different that they've never done before, which is after each week they posted the previous night's episode. They actually did a weekly installment, which Netflix of course never does, but just so it could reach, reach a wider international audience earlier on, they did that. So I feel like it'll probably come sooner rather than later. Um, but it is all on Hulu right now, I believe. Um, at least for me, it is. Megan. I have Hulu with live sports, so I can't say it's true for everybody. But, Fidelity. Um, yeah. So that is The Last Dance. My other thing that just wrapped up, uh, I also touted this a few weeks ago. One of my other favorite things that I've seen this year, and that is Survivor Season 40 just wrapped up. Yeah, Winners at War. Winners at War, the all-winner season. Um, I will get into a little bit of a spoiler territory here. Uh, I'm assuming that you on this podcast will not watch Survivor, uh, despite my pleas for you to. So I actually, um, I actually tuned in to the finale because I, oh, I wasn't did. doing anything else that night and I put it on and I watched most of it and it was really good, but it, 
I just, it's the same thing I said last time we talked about Survivor when the season started. I just felt out of the loop, you know, first, well, obviously because I didn't keep up with the whole season, duh, but also because like these players know each other so well and they know they, they've developed these bonds, not just in this season, but in all seasons. Cause some of these people, it's like their third time playing or fourth time or whatever. Uh-huh. And they've obviously been watching along too, you know, so not only are they their survivor contestants, but they're also survivor fans. So not keeping up with the show over the past decade, uh, while the people in the show have been and have known what all the other players have been doing and their histories, it just makes me feel a little bit out of the loop and disengaged. Well, I mean, I think that that is why one of the things that did make this season unique, I have been out for like 10 years at this point, so I did not know most of these players. I knew some of the legends, uh, specifically Boston Rob was always my guy just because the way he plays, everybody calls him the Rob father because he literally like leads like a guy. He's just like, everybody stays. You have a problem. You come to me. We talk about this. Like the way he played was just so revolutionary. And anybody who's ever tried to replicate it has immediately got voted off. Cause they're like, who the fuck is this guy? This dick. <laughs> um, but I will, so some spoilers for Survivor, so skip ahead if you don't, if you aren't, uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers. I do recommend this season, um, but I was drawn into this season, despite not knowing the characters, mostly because of an all-time performance by this guy, Tony. Like, it was probably the best game, a lot of people have said it's the best game a Survivor ever played, he went through this whole thing. He was running the game from the jump and he never got a single vote against him at tribal because people were just like, Oh yeah, we'll just keep him around. We'll just, you know, he can eventually be like a meat shield. Like he'll be a guy who can get pup. We can get votes on later on. And his way of manipulating and backstabbing is just so genius that I've never seen anybody do it before. He also is a very physical player. So he was able to win some challenges as well. He's a guy you talked about in the last night. He didn't sleep the entire time he was there for like 39 days. He waited until everybody else was asleep and then he would go searching around on the island like in the middle of the night during while it's pitch black looking for these hidden idols to like give him immunity and stuff like that. Like he is like a crazy person out there and climbing trees and shit like spying on people crouched on top of a tree yeah no well that's the thing he's done before is that he builds like spy nests where he just like spies (laughs) on other players he like hides out by the water well because he knows that's where all the gossip happens and he don't just like climb up in the trees and cover himself in shrubbery and stand there for like over an hour just like listening to people talk so lee lee saw that shit and she was like this shit's fake the shit's staged. There's no way that guy actually did that. And I was like, Lee, it's that's what Survivor is. Like these people are out there. And she was like, No, no. no Survivor is-, is it is like legitimately <laughs> real. Like people because one of the best things that did come of this uh, in the last episode, I should say, was they had all the winners, previous winners, kind of talk about what Survivor meant to them and their time, like, coming back. And a lot of them are talking about, like, how they were, like, fucked up after this place. Like, they couldn't trust their family or their friends because they thought that everybody was just being nice to their face with everybody who was looking to, like, backstab them or, like, try and get an edge up. And it, like, fucks with people. Tony is a police officer in New York City. And after he won the first time, there was somebody else who tried to get him kicked out, like, get him removed moved as a police officer because he said he was untrustworthy because of the way that oh, he played man. on the game that's hilarious like, it's i mean it is like real what these people are doing and you can kind of tell less so this season because these are all champions who have done it before but a lot of like newbie seasons people like slowly lose their mind as this goes on because you have like one little cup of rice and that's your only food for the day. And when you've eaten that for like a month straight, like you kind of lose your sanity a little bit. And some people just kind of snap while they're out there. Some people have just bailed before because they're like, I can't handle this. Like I want to go home. Um, So I think it's unique. I do have some flaws with this season. They have this thing called the edge of extinction, which I just, I hate the idea of it. Pretty much you can get voted out 
and then you can just like chill on this other island and like maybe win some kind of a competition to get back in the game but they do it when there's only like six people left so there's a girl natalie uh who played a great game like out there on the edge of extinction one of like the most physically imposing beasts that i have ever seen in my life on the show like she is a monster um but she made it she almost like she almost won she came in second to tony and i hate that because it's a completely different game so i do have some issues with it they introduced a currency into the game which i don't think worked entirely but overall i think survivor is the best reality tv show um ever made and I, I, I'm back in on Survivor. Like, I'm watching season 41 whenever it comes out. Uh, yeah, TBD at production. this point. Yeah, yeah because they're, they shoot it all in Fiji at this point, and they can't fly to Fiji right now. So who knows when it'll come. But whenever it does come, I'm back in. Dope. Dope. Sweet. All right. So we're going to finish out with my um, catch-up here. First, Dave on FXX. Guys. I am here to confirm that the hype is real. Uh, so shout out to Dane and uh, Danny, who recommended Dave on the show. Dave and D Dane and Danny de recommended Dave. Say that five times fast. No. Um, yeah, this, this show rules. Like, I did not expect this show to be as good as it was. It, it's so hilarious in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. Like it's shocking, it's smart, it's witty. Um, and there's like this inherent tension and anxiety built in underneath all the laughs. Um, it's, it's just really good. There's so many chill inducing moments, uh, which I didn't expect from a show like this. Uh, chill inducing? You mean yeah. dramatically? Yes, yes. Or, it, or, it does or. get... Um, dramatic in a way kind of like kind of like Atlanta a little bit it's very it's definitely very different than Atlanta but it has this like intensity to it that it's not just like a loosey-goosey like fun show um there's one episode in particular that explores like mental health bipolar uh type stuff that gets pretty intense and there's one moment in the last episode i just saw episode six where Lil dicky goes on stage for the first time and the build-up to that moment because it's his first live performance ever the build-up to it is when he does go on stage at the very end of the episode i just i got chills because it was so kind of cathartic and satisfying uh, it's just a very well put together show, like writing wise, directing wise, acting, just really, really well done. I'm so surprised. I honestly did not think that it was going to live up to to the hype. And I was very skeptical going into it. But man, it's good, guys. You're it's fucking, really good. You're selling me and I don't really want to be sold. I think on the little Dicky show, right? Yeah, I don't right. really I'm am, I'm ambivalent about Little Dicky at best, but uh, everyone is talking a big game, and you might have just pushed me over the edge of about it. I give it a shot, man. Give it a shot because I I was as skeptical as anybody. I'm not a Little Dicky fan. I I do not like his music, but he is nailing it with this show. It is so funny. There's one episode, episode three. Um, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Spoil it just a little bit. I don't care. There's a there's a gag with a with a latex like fuck ass, <laughs> like um, I guess a like latex a, fuck ass, like yeah. a like yeah. a yeah. like I know what you're talking about, like that a flashlight, but it's like a whole ass. Yeah, but it has like legs on it, like all the way down with feet, and the whole episode like centers around kind of. Actually, the whole show kind of centers around how Lil Dicky has like a fucked up dick and he's very insecure <laughs> about it. Sure. And that episode centers around like his sex life with his girlfriend and how he's trying to navigate having a good sex life with her while being very insecure about his penis. And it has some of the funniest moments I have seen in a show in a long time. Like I was his 
hysterical laughing at this episode with this fucking latex ass like holy shit like genius genius comedy shit unbelievable the ending of that episode i was just i was sitting down i was laying down in bed watching it on my phone and i was trying to be quiet because lee was like talking to a friend and i started losing my shit like i just had to like grab my mouth to try to stop myself from screaming because it was that funny do you think because you sold me on watching the show do you think that episode will sell me on buying a latex fuck ass for myself (laughs) (laughs) i mean i got one in the mail right now so we'll see i'll let you know how it goes i want to join just i could just loan you one (laughs) okay yeah yeah i forgot you got a few yeah just tell me your circumference and i'll hook it up (laughs) (laughs) um okay so that's dave on fx or fxx i don't know i watch it on hulu because of of fx on hulu um, so definitely recommend it. So for the sake of time, cause we're already at 45 minutes and I want to end this episode, um, uh, soon I'm going to, I'm going to go on my, I've watched so many movies this week. I'm going to go on my letterbox. I'm going to read them out and you guys get to choose what I talk about from this oh, list. Hell yeah. So this is a, a this is yeah. a, um, a choose your own podcast adventure Ooh. segment here. Okay, let's go. So this is this is everything I watched this week. So try to come to a, a consensus when once I finish reading the list as to what you want to hear thoughts on. Um, the Have a Good Trip Adventures in Psychedelics documentary on Netflix, brand new, just came out. Uh, 2006 Mike Judge film Idiocracy. Uh, Tony Scott's Unstoppable, starring Denzel Washington and Chris Pine from 2010. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. 1982 and the terrible terminator sequels t3 t4 and t5 harry what are you thinking fuck um i was gonna say uh it's gonna say terminator salvation because i'll talk about all the all the terminators in one oh wait no 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 okay i'm pulling back from if you want (laughs) Um, if you want uh, I'm like, go, go say the last half. I'm forgetting the last half I had one. And then I, so uh, have a good trip. Adventures in psychedelics, idiocracy, unstoppable, the thing and T3, T4 and T5. Yeah. Just talk about the thing. That's a great movie. So, so okay. That that's fine with me. I was just going to stand on my idiocracy hill over here and say that that's a really good movie. It's a fine no, movie. Nobody, abs- absolutely nobody agrees with me, but I think I love that movie. That's fine. We can talk about it. It's a yeah. stupid, it's a stupid movie about stupid people. Reddit, <laughs> Reddit agrees with you. <laughs> I've got so, there's so much dumb stuff in the world. I don't want to think about idiocracy. Yeah, the, the thing is by <laughs> far the best one out of this whole list. This movie is True. incredible. I was, it, it's just shy of perfection for me because I was hoping for something a little bit more psychological where the characters are like really paying attention to like the micro movements of everybody to try to make sure like if who's the thing or who's a human. And the movie's not as much concerned with that as it is just like giving you some really intense moments of gore and violence and just fucking body horror shit and that's what you're there for you're there to see like some it you know referring back to my creature effects pantheon shit this is it man this is the (laughs) shit like there are some scenes in this movie where you see the thing and it is just this disgusting amalgamation of flesh and guts that shouldn't (laughs) exist and you're just like, how did they do this? Like, this is an in-camera effect that they captured. And no computer effects. And you're just like, holy fuck, how? How did they do this? Because with a computer, yeah. you know, you, you know how. Like, they just worked on it a long time. And they sp- spent a lot of money on a, some really talented uh, coders. And they got to it. And I guess, you know, people back then probably thought the same thing about creature effects and and makeup artists, uh, that if you just have talented people building that shit, you get that. But it's just tougher to have it work when it's real, when it's something that you build. Um, It's a lot more magical to me as a movie moment. And this movie is just full of that. 
was this your first time seeing it or yeah yeah first time. Oh, awesome yeah i i just watched it the first time last year at the enzian and it's got that oh, the, on the big screen yeah and it's got the greatest of surprises uh a nice little keith david performance right always yeah. it brings it you know whenever you see, have him pop up i'm like okay we're we're, we're a little bit better now yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I love this movie. It's on HBO right now. Uh, or actually, no, it's not. It's on, I watched it on Stars uh, through Hulu. So yeah, just amazing. I am such a fan of, uh, I'm getting really into like this sort of like practical creature effects stuff right now. And and between this and Aliens, it's it doesn't get any better. The only other movies I, I've kind of like been eyeing for that pantheon is uh alien of course total recall which i just saw recently as well big trouble in little china et jaws pan's labyrinth the fly the gold oh, bloom yeah. fly yeah jesus incredible movie and uh the jim henson dark crystal oh yeah love dark crystal yeah so go ahead and check out um the thing check out uh, Survivor and The Last Dance. Watch Moonlight. Watch Happy Feet 2. Yeah, you should. It's a great movie. I'm not even joking. This isn't like a Dumbo thing. It's yeah. a genuinely well-made movie. <laughs> um, also, we should say, Harry bought a mic. Oh, yeah. He did it. <laughs> I went for it. And now I hope you can hear my voice in much crisper audio detail, whatever the phrases are. I leave that to Ernest. Fidelity. Wizard. Fidelity, thank you. Fidelity. Yeah. While, while it I was sounds off, great. And the thank listeners, you. thank you for it. He did it, listeners. He bought the titular mic. Wow. And feels uh, it, feels, it feels good. It feels good. You know, we, we, we don't ask much from our guests. But, you but from now on, we will in perpetuity. <laughs> the the Harry protocol is in effect. Yeah, yeah for fuck's sake. <laughs> any, any, anything you want to plug or direct the people towards other than Happy Feet 2? Uh, well, you can find my work still at the Observer newspaper, uh, Pandemic and All. We are still making a weekly paper. And uh, yeah, I have an Instagram that I will not tell you about, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And uh, you can find my Twitter. It's Harry J. Sayer. So there you go. Cool. All right. Yeah, you can follow at We Bought a Mic on Twitter. You can follow all of us on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can email us at webottomic at gmail.com. And go ahead and donate. Send us a voicemail on anchor.fm. We could always use those. Uh, just toss us a quick 99 cents a month. What's it worth it to you? You know, you got that Trump money. You ain't using it for shit. You're using it for what? Latex asses? But Come on. As a PSA to remember, that's not actually Trump's money. That's your own tax money that's being returned to you. Thank you. Watch Happy Feet too. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, Harry. Listen to our community deep dive episode if you haven't already. And next week, we'll be back with another great episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.